You're listening to the Sunday Messages podcast brought to you by Cypress Creek Church. Believe it or not, there's like 24-ish days until the beginning of the Wimberley School uh, uh, calendar. I don't know if you're in San Marcos or maybe you're a college student or maybe you don't have kids, but there is this natural rhythm that changes there in about mid-August. And so what I want to do this morning is uh, switch maybe from vacation mode and then go into mission mode because just like Donko's on mission there in Serbia. We're on mission here in Wimberley and in St. Marcus and in Hayes County, Kyle, Kamal County, etc. Anybody with me? And uh, so I want to read in just a moment in Luke chapter 12. I'll uh, talk about what we discussed last week and then we'll go into this morning's message on getting ready. But, but first, I do hope that you have taken time to recharge, to relax, to rest just for a minute, because we're going to be talking about hitting it hard this morning and serving. But the truth is, it's that we also need to take time to rest and to recharge and to thank God for his many blessings. My wife and I did that this last week for a short amount of time. We got away and we got to celebrate our anniversary, which I love that it's in the summer because it prepares us for the fall and all the things that that means for our family right now in school and sports and new rhythms, et cetera, et cetera. There's two ways that we can move into a new season. The first is you can just kind of slide in. I don't want you to raise your hand, but I want you to ask the question, do I tend to slide into new seasons or do I decide what they're going to look like? Now, we know we're not in control of, of a lot of things. We can't control, uh, but we can't control what we say and what we do and what we prioritize. And so my question to start off the message is, do you tend to slide into new seasons or do you tend to decide and say, no, here's what we're going to do. If you are a slider, then I'm glad that you're here. And if you're a decider, I hope that you can share your secrets with those that you came with, okay? But uh, this message really is for us sliders as we enter into this new season. Jesus is teaching us a really important lesson in Luke chapter 12. Last week, we looked at our stuff, at how we're not called to hoard. We're not called to be like the rich fool that the parable that we read last week. We're we're called to be wise stewards. Here are six things, six I statements on the your left, and then six wise steward statements on the right. So the rich fool in the parable said the things on the left, and and then we said, we're not going to be like that. We're going to ask these wise questions, and we're going to make decisions like wise stewards, asking God, what what do I do with all that you've given me? We thank you for what you've given me, so therefore I'm going to give generously. I'm not going to worry about anything. I'm going to rely on God, and I'm going to choose to live for him. And it's important that we remember that as we go into these next verses that Jesus is uh, going to share with us. But let's hit The last verse that we read last week, it starts in verse 32. Jesus says, do not be afraid, little flock, which I love this endearing word, little flock. He's going to take care of us. For your father has been pleased to give you the kingdom. Sell your possessions and give to the poor. Provide purses for yourselves that will not wear out, a treasure in heaven that will never fail, where no thief comes near and no moth 
destroyed. So listen to this. For where your treasure is, there your heart will be also. I want you to recognize what follows what. Our heart follows where we invest. Hello? Uh, wherever we invest our time, our energy, our resources, Scripture says Jesus is saying here that our heart will actually follow those things. And then Jesus hits us right in the middle of the face. Aren't you glad you came this morning to get punched in the face? Maybe not physically, but for me, certainly here in verse 35, Jesus says this, be dressed, ready for service and keep your lamps burning. Be dressed and ready for service literally means gird your loins. It means strap up your bootstraps. It means tighten up your tunic because you're about to take off. Think about the large tunics that they used to wear back in the day in biblical times. And uh, they would literally tie, I don't know how, but they would tie it up so that they would be willing to, uh, or they would be ready to take off. Same uh, phrase is used by God when he confronts Job, gird up your loins. Who are you? to talk to God in that way. Exodus, Moses says the same things when he's preparing the Israelites to go out of captivity. And so we see this very important message from Jesus. What is he saying? Get ready. Can we say that together? Get ready. Get ready for what? Let's keep reading. Get ready, like servants waiting for their master to return from a wedding banquet so that when he comes and knocks, they can immediately open the door for him. We're talking about gatekeepers here. First of two parables. We'll read all the way to uh, verse 48, and then we're going to deduce three points of what it looks like to get ready. So this first parable is like a servant waiting for their master to return from a wedding banquet. Soon as they knock, boom, good hospitality. That door is open. Maybe you went to a resort like that this summer when uh, service was right there, right at your service. Verse 37, Jesus says, it will be good for those servants whose master finds them watching when he comes. Truly, I tell you, he will dress himself to serve and will have them recline at the table and will come and wait on them. Don't miss this. Jesus is saying, hey, those that are serving, when I come, meaning Jesus' second coming, he came once already over 2,000 years ago, and he came to seek and to save the lost. He came to wipe away our sins. He came for the Jew first and then to the Gentile. He came to inaugurate the kingdom of God here on earth, and then he will fulfill that in his second coming. But in the second coming, he's going to come to judge. He's going to come to separate the sheep from the goat. He's going to come to separate the wheat from the chaff. It's important that we realize that that is what Scripture talks about. And that's why Jesus is telling us way ahead in advance, be ready, be ready. When he comes then and he sees you serving, Scripture says here, hey, you'll recline at my table. Then you can take it easy. Then you can relax and live that vacation that you've been hoping to have that you never will have because you've been busy. You've been ready. All right. Uh, verse 38. It will be good for those servant whose master finds them ready, even if he comes in the middle of the night or toward daybreak. But understand this. If the owner of the house had known at what hour the thief was coming, he would not have let his house be broken 
into. You must also be ready because the Son of Man will come at an hour when you do not expect him. He's saying that uh, when Jesus comes, we will not know the hour or the day. He will come like a thief in the night. In other uh, verses, it says that. And the point is, is that we shouldn't just look busy when he's, oh, we see the signs, get busy. No, we are to live in a ready state as followers of Jesus. Verse 41, Peter asked, Lord, are you telling this parable to us or to everyone? And he doesn't answer it clearly. He answers it broadly. In verse 42, the Lord answered, Who then is a faithful and wise manager whom the master puts in charge of his servants to give them their food allowance at the proper time? So we have the second now parable. We have a wise and a faithful manager who's been put in charge to give an allowance of food to the servants. So something done more behind the scenes. It says it will be good for that servant whom the master finds doing so. When he returns, truly, I tell you, he will put him in charge of all his possessions. So not only will he be lauded for doing a good job, he'll get a promotion. Luke 16 says, whoever is faithful with little more will be given. All right. Now, verse 45, Jesus gives us a stern warning. Here we go. But suppose the servant says to himself, my master has taken a long time in coming. And then he begins to beat the other servants, both men and women, and to eat and drink and get drunk. The master of that servant will come on a day when he does not expect him at an hour he is not aware of. He will cut him to pieces and assign him a place with the unbelievers. Aren't you glad you came to church to hear this encouraging word for you? It's important, y'all. He's giving us this stern warning. He's saying this is serious. I've given you something to do, and I want you to serve me. Finishing off verse 47 and 48. The servant who knows the master's will and does not get ready or does not do what the master wants will be beaten with many blows. That's the second, you know, and worst, worst is being cut to pieces. This is this, the second and then the third, but the one who does not know, so ignorance is bliss and does everything deserving and does things deserving punishment will be beaten with few blows from everyone who has been given much, much will be demanded. And from the one who has been entrusted with much, much more will be asked. This is the word of God. And I want to share with you this morning three ways that God has called us to get ready in these parables. I don't know if you would say right now, your readiness state is at a red light. You're just stopped. You don't know. Uh, you're, you're stopped because of a circumstance in life. You're coming to church because you're wanting to know what to do, where to go, uh, how, how, to, how to think, how to process these things. Maybe you're at that yellow light and you go in and out of ready state. Maybe you were ready at one point. You were serving God on a day-to-day -day basis. You, you felt like you were on fire, but now stuff is, is happening. Other things are taking your time. Maybe you're in that yellow light or maybe you're that green light and you're just going and blowing and you're living on mission. Again, if you're in that green light, share your secrets with uh, those around you. Amen. All right. And the, then for those of us that are in the yellow and the red light, I, I want to speak to you because Jesus is asking us to be ready. And he's also making it very clear as to what that looks like. These three reasons that we are, uh, that, that keep us from getting ready are the very same reasons that I believe we need 
to live in order to be ready to gird up our loins. Maybe you can say that uh, this week when you're talking to a friend. Hey, have you girded up your loins? Are you ready? Uh, the first reason why I think we're, we're not ready is because we're not expectant. We're not like the man who is right at the door waiting for the master to come back from the wedding banquet. We're just not expectant. We're not watching. We're not alert. Other things are taking our attention. Or maybe we're expecting God to do something that we want him to do versus something that God said he will do. He promises us here that he's going to come back. We know that that's going to happen. When he came the first time in Luke chapter four, he told us exactly what he was going to do. He clarified his mission. The context in Luke chapter four is that Jesus just came out of the desert after being with the enemy, being tempted for 40 days and 40 nights, no food, no water. He goes back home to Nazareth. He doesn't go straight to Jerusalem. He's hanging out in the synagogue with the leaders of the religious uh, uh, rule. And then someone hands him a scroll. It's the book of Isaiah that's in our old Testament. And, and now people are like expecting, they're like, what is he going to read? And it says this in Luke chapter four, starting in verse 18. This is what God sent Jesus to do. The spirit of the Lord is on me because he has anointed me to proclaim good news to the poor. He has sent me to proclaim freedom for the prisoners and recovery of sight for the blind to set the oppressed free to proclaim the year of the Lord's favor. He is quoting Isaiah chapter 61, super clear what he is coming to do. What is he coming to do? To proclaim the good news to who? To the poor to those that know they have nothing to offer. If you're here this morning, you're saying, I need God. I need something different. The good news is that you came to the right place because we preach the gospel of Jesus Christ in this house. And he came to the poor in spirit, to the brokenhearted, to those who are grieving. And then he came to recover sight for the blind. He came to save and he came to heal. He came to open us, open our sight, to allow us to see things the way that he sees, to give us hope in the midst of hopelessness. And he came for freedom, to set the oppressed free. Am I the only one that is thanking God this morning that I no longer have to pay the price for my sin? I'm a free man because of what Jesus Christ has done for me. When you think about the chains that used to shackle you up to death, that's what sin leads us to, to death. When Jesus comes and he breaks those chains open and he opens up our eyes, man, that feeling of freedom is unlike anything that this world can offer. And he's set to proclaim the year of the Lord's favor since the coming of Jesus it's, there's been two things that have been inaugurated. One, the end times. So even though it, it's, it's getting hotter out there and we may be thinking it's hotter than hell, it's, it's super, you know, the, Jesus is definitely coming back because all that is going on, we got to remember the end times started when Jesus came, when the Holy Spirit descended, Jesus ascended in heaven, Holy Spirit descended, that's the end times. 
2,000 years we've been in the end times. And the other thing, too, is that it's been the year of the Lord's favor. Not only is Jesus coming back, but God's favor is flowing through his church all over the world. We're seeing the free, the, the captives freed, sight to the blind, and good news preached to the poor. So, ultimate mic drop, verse 20. Then he rolled up the scroll, gave it back to the attendant, and he sat down. The eyes of everyone in the synagogue were fastened on him. And he began by saying to them, today, this scripture is fulfilled in your hearing. Boof. Everybody was looking at Jesus. Everybody was expectant for this to be fulfilled. In the same feeling that they were feeling then, my friends, we can have today. That expectancy of God. I wrote these four things that as a staff we've been saying for I don't know how many months now. This is what we're looking for at Cypress Creek Church. We're looking for salvations. We're looking to see the oppressed free. Like the four baptisms that we're celebrating after this gathering. Which by the way makes 81 baptisms in 2023 through this church. (laughs) Praise be to God. Praise be to God. We're looking for healings. We're looking for the recovery of, this, of, of sights of the blind. We're looking for healing, whether it happens this side of heaven in, uh, through, through sickness and a miraculous hand of God over someone's life or, or whether God calls them home and we know that they've been totally healed. We're about healing. We're about unity when we come together as his body and we talk about the things of God by the preaching and reading of his word and by singing of songs corporately. God unites his body when we do that in community groups throughout the week, we see a church united and ultimately a church activated and mobilized to reach the world. That's what we're after. We got to be expectant of those things. And so maybe you need something to fire you up. Allow this to do that. That is the first. And, And maybe the second thing that's keeping you from being ready is, okay, Jose, I just started coming to church. I'm not equipped. I don't know how to, I don't know what to do. Well, again, you came to the right place and you're listening to the right message. Here's the cool thing. We'll talk about some things that equip us. But the truth is, is that God does not call the equipped. He equips the called. And once you have been chosen and once you have confessed with your mouth that Jesus is Lord and believed in your heart that God raised him from the dead, you are chosen. You are saved, and therefore now you have an assignment in God's family to activate and to do your part. A lot of times, again, we freeze and we say, I don't know because I haven't been equipped. Well, Peter, I loved, he asked that question in uh, the parable. God, is this for for us or is it for them? He was a little confused. Well, in 1 Peter, he writes a, a letter, and he is now very clear. And I know this because he's repeating the very words of Jesus in Peter, 1 Peter 4, 7 through 11, Peter says this, the end of all things is near. Now again, near is relative because that was 2000 years ago. His point is that the end times have come. Therefore, be alert, gird up your loins and be so of sober mind so that you may what? So that you may go do this or that so that you may go, you know, tell all these people. No, so that you may pray. If we want to be equipped, we cannot neglect prayer personally, corporately. 
He says, so that you may pray above all, love each other deeply because love covers over a multitude of sins. Offer hospitality to one another without grumbling. Each of you should use whatever gift you have received to serve others as faithful stewards of God's grace in its various forms. If anyone speaks, they should do so as the one who speaks the very words of God, what's written in his Word. If anyone serves, they should do so with the strength God provides, so that in all things God may be praised through Jesus Christ. To him be the glory and the power forever and ever. And everyone said, Amen. Peter tells us, Hey, you want to be equipped? Three things. First, know your assignment. Second, make sure that we're praying. Pray fervently. Pray all the time. And the third is know the word. Or second is word, and third is prayer. Each of us has an assignment, a divine assignment from God. We express our assignments in our jobs. Maybe that can be an assignment. Uh, We have assignments here in the church on Sunday mornings. We're called to not only gather and receive, but we're also called to give and to serve. We each have an assignment, and the beautiful thing is that when all of us come together, we end up complementing each other to make a beautiful symphonic sound that blesses and glorifies the Lord and furthers his kingdom. So what is your assignment? As we prepare for the fall, I want to offer a couple of things. Uh, Number one, there's a lot of seats that are filled, praise be to God, in this gathering. Uh, In the month of August, it's just one of those rhythms. More people come to church. And so I want to ask if you would consider serving the church by praying about coming to the nine o'clock where there's just a few more empty seats, just a few more. It's not that many. It's, you know, just a few more empty seats. Invite friends to the nine o'clock. Maybe move your community group to the nine o'clock to serve the 1030 so that we can open up seats in here. And when we fill up the seats, then the staff has the challenge to now kick off a third gathering. But it's not just the staff. This isn't just the pastor and the team doing all the work. This is the body of Christ activated and mobilized to meet a need. Anybody out there? All right. So we have a thing called the serve card. Taylor uh, talked about it in the announcements. Go to the ccc.god. I would love for you to consider serving once a month. Once a month in one gathering, could be at the nine o'clock or the 1030, our kids ministry on the live team, uh, uh, here on the worship team, ushers, greeters, hospitality, many, many ways to serve. And again, you may be saying, but I just got here. And what I would tell you is that's perfect timing. If you just started coming to church, perfect timing to get plugged. And there's other ways too that we can serve in other ministries. You can look at that all on the guide. But again, my question is, what is our assignment? Uh, These two assignments, one was the gatekeeper. They were watchful. They were expectant. And the other one was the wise manager giving an allowance in secret. I love that these two are are seemingly menial tests. They're not leadership roles per se, because uh, 1 Corinthians 12, Romans chapter 12, Ephesians 4, all point to the spiritual gifts, all having equal importance in God's eyes. You can say, well, I don't know. I don't want to agree because, you know, somebody else can just do that. No, if God is putting that on your heart, he's asking you to do that thing on that Sunday. So serve, know your assignment. That's here on 
Sunday morning? What about your divine assignment in your job? Who has God put you, put, put in your, in your uh, office so that you can be vocal about your faith? Your divine assignment is to do your job and to do it well and to glorify God in all that you say and do. And so I wonder what that, what that assignment looks like there in your workplace. Let's look at word and let's look at prayer. The servant who knows my master's will, we read in verse 47. So how do we know the will of God? We read God's word. Listen to what the purpose of God's word is in 2 Timothy 3.16. Uh, if you know John 3.16, that's for salvation. 2 Timothy 3.16 and 17 talk about the purpose of God's word, of the Bible. And it's all scripture is God breathed and it's useful for teaching, rebuking, correcting, and training in righteousness so that the servant of God may be thoroughly what? Equipped for every good Word. And so if you're wondering, what does this look like? Examine the scriptures. Ask somebody that may be a step ahead of you. Hey, I don't understand this. I think it means this. Can you help me out? We can uh, have a lot of Bible resources on the Bible. We have a lot of Bible resources on the website that you can check out. And then finally, prayer. Here's the deal. You can be ready. You can be green light, ready to go. But it's not easy because there's another that's on mission to thwart our godly mission. And Peter, in all his wisdom, called him out in 1 Peter 5.8. He says again, be sober-minded, be watchful. Your adversary who? The devil prowls around like a roaring lion seeking someone to devour. We have a real enemy out there. But greater is he who is in us than he who is in the world. So we just need to know that there is an adversary out there and we need to know that we have been fully equipped. And what that looks like scripturally through prayer is putting on the full armor of God in Ephesians 6. I would love for us to read all these verses. And I think as we read them, if you can read them either out loud with me or uh, uh, just follow along, but let's put on the armor of God as a church family this morning. Verse 11 Ephesians 6, put on the full armor of God so that you can take your stand against the devil's schemes for our struggle is not against flesh and blood, but against the rulers, against the authorities, against the powers of this dark world and against the spiritual forces of evil in the heavenly realms. Let me just repeat this again. Our battle is not against people. It's not against people. The enemy sometimes influences people. And so we may think that it may be people, but it is spiritual. And so in order to fight a spiritual battle, we need spiritual armor. Therefore, put on the full armor of God so that when the day of evil comes and it is here, you may be able to stand your ground. And after you have done everything to stand, stand firm. Then let's put this on together. The belt of truth buckled around your waist with the breastplate of righteousness in place with the feet fitted with the readiness that comes from the gospel of peace. In addition to all this, take up the shield of faith with which you can extinguish all the flaming arrows of the evil one. Take the helmet of salvation and the sword of the spirit, which is the word of God. And then it says, pray in the spirit only on in the morning, only when we eat, only a night before we go to bed. No, on all occasions with all kinds of prayers and request with this in mind, be alert and always keep on praying for the Lord's people. We got to be ready. Here's 
the thing. Whatever we build will be tested by God. Paul in 1 Corinthians talks about the ministry aspect of things, whether it's, you know, us as a church or, or whether it's some ministry that you're a part of, that you support, uh, all of it will be tested through fire. Listen to what Paul says in 1 Corinthians, anyone who builds on the foundation, which is Jesus, may use a variety of materials. So the foundation again is set but we will build on that with gold, silver, jewels, wood, hay, or straw. But on the judgment day, when Jesus comes back, fire will reveal what kind of work each builder has done. And the fire will show if a person's work has any value. If the work survives, the builder will receive a reward. But if the work is burned up, the builder will suffer great loss. The builder will be saved, but like someone barely escaping through a wall of flames. That's why we got to be ready. That's why we got to make sure that we have the armor of God, that we know what God's word says and that we're living on assignment, on mission. Is this encouraging? Okay, good, because that's my last point. I think, uh, I think some of the reasons why we're not ready is because we're discouraged. We come up to a circumstance in life. We battle sickness. We have strife in a close relationship. And we look up and we say, God, why? Let me just say, God wants to hear us. I love what Joel said in, in worship, that he is able to uh, take us through that storm. He will never fail us. That is true. But not in the way that we want him sometimes to see us through. Because after all, we're only looking after ourselves. God is looking after the whole world. And so I want us to be encouraged by getting ready, by, by, by getting ready by these three things, by being expectant, by being equipped, and by being encouraged that God has given us responsibility. Normally not a word that is used synonymously with encouragement, right? Responsibility is not an encouraging word, yet it's such an important word for us as followers of Jesus. In verse 48, Jesus said, from everyone who has been given much, much will be demanded. And from the one who has been entrusted with much, much will be asked. I can say this confidently. Every single one that is sitting in this room has been given much and much is required. He is calling us up and he's saying, hey, I want you to go. Be encouraged. So if you are discouraged, I want to share a story from the Apostle Paul as we close. Apostle Paul lived a wild life on mission, green light, go, go, go. He was near the end. He was in front of King Agrippa. He was standing firm. Uh, he, I mean, things were not looking good for Paul, but that didn't stop him from boldly proclaiming the gospel of Jesus Christ. And the thing that he uh, got encouragement from was the gospel, but more specifically, his story. See, it says much is demanded from those who have been given much. A question for you and a question for me this morning. What has God given you? How has he torn down the scales from your eyes and given you sight? How has he given you hope? How has he given you 
freedom. That is what Paul holds on to in Acts chapter 26. He, he's recanting his story when God blinded him temporarily and then sent this man named Ananias to pray over him. The scales fell from his eyes and then God told him, now get up and stand on your feet. I've appeared to you to appoint you as a servant and as a witness of what you have seen and will see of me. I will rescue you from your own people and from the Gentiles. He's speaking to Paul. I am sending you to them to open their eyes and to turn them from darkness to light and from the power of Satan to God so that they may receive forgiveness of sins and a place among those who are sanctified by faith in me. Where does, where does Paul receive encouragement from his story? From what God has given him sight when he was blind, a new mission, a new assignment, and from this place among those who are sanctified by faith in me. Who's that? Those are the other apostles. Those are the ones who knew him as a persecutor of the church, who then saw a heart change and now embraced him as a brother in Christ. That's what we're here to do as a church family. I hope this morning that we, if, if we need encouragement, that we can get that from our story and that we can get that from community. And maybe that means joining a community group like Taylor said earlier. And we can join one now. You can check one out. If you don't jive with that one, go check out another one. God has a place for each one of us in a group. If we have these three things, if we have expectancy, if we have equipping and encouragement this world better get ready because Cypress Creek Church is going to be on fire this fall if you are with me. Uh-oh, if you're with me, can I hear an amen? amen? All right, there's more than three of us. I got a little nervous there this, uh, that, that moment. Team, you guys can come back up. I wanna close with um, these words from Paul because we can see this as a lift of dues. Jose, you're, you're talking about all this stuff. I thought Jesus came to, to, to just bring me everlasting life, to totally forgive me of my sins. I didn't know that I had to do all of these things. And, and to that, you'd be exactly right. We don't have to do anything in order to be changed, in order to receive the grace that has been freely given to us by the death and the resurrection of Jesus Christ. And that is what Paul writes. He says, for Christ's love compels us not anything else. It is Christ's love that compels us because we are convinced that one died for all and therefore all died. And he died for all so that those who live should no longer live for themselves, but for him who died for them and was raised again. If you're able, please stand as we close in prayer. We thank you, Jesus, for your death. Later on in Luke 12, Lord, you talk about your baptism. And that baptism wasn't the water baptism like we're celebrating. It was a literal baptism of death. You were immersed in death, Jesus, for each one of us so that we don't have to taste death, but can have everlasting life when we confess with our mouth that you are Lord and we believed in our heart that you, God, raised your son Jesus from the dead. You promise us salvation. And this morning, I wanna extend an invitation to anyone that has yet to say yes to Jesus. Maybe something this morning alerted you to, 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 to get right with the Lord, thankfully. What that requires of us is just a confession and belief. But that required Jesus' life, it required suffering. It required a criminal's death. But it didn't end 
with death. It ended with the promise of everlasting life through his resurrection. So if that's you, I just encourage you to utter these words after me as a symbol of what you believe in your heart. You can say, Jesus, this morning, I surrender. I believe that you died on the cross for my sins and that you rose from the dead to give me everlasting life. I choose to follow you from this day forward. In Jesus' name I pray, amen. Thanks for listening to the Sunday Messages podcast. You can dive deeper into the messages weekly by subscribing to the Conversations podcast, where we dig into the previous Sunday's message, unpacking how we can apply it further in our daily lives. See you again next week.